You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. One of my favorite things about studying astrology under Deborah Silverman was all the doors it unlocked to other extremely knowledgeable, talented astrologers. And one of those people is Malika Semper. She's my fellow Sagittarius, and she is one of the sweetest, funniest, coolest people that I have ever met. And I haven't even met her in person. How cool is the internet? So Malika has taught me relationship astrology, be it synastry charts, composite charts. I learned about the asteroids in a birth chart from her. I just fully resonate with her style, her way of teaching, because that's all astrology is, right? It's a science and an art form. And while there's so many different astrologers out there, myself included, you may be wondering, why would I have another astrologer on my podcast? So this is already what I teach and I know. Because I want to expose you guys to many different ways of teaching astrology. It's an art form. A lot of people resonate with my style of teaching, but a lot of people really resonate with Malika's. Everybody is so different, and I love to bring on different styles of teaching the art of the stars. So without further ado, you know what to do. Leave a review, share the show if you liked it. If you got anything out of it, I so appreciate it. And here is my conversation with Malika, all about relationship astrology. yourself the relationship astrologer sure do <laughs> what made you want to use that we know we just had kj alice an astrologer on the show and she was like no thank you no thank you on the relationship stuff i'll send all those clients to you but yeah. she focuses on business and locational but you love the relationship okay. stuff so. i do i really do you know i was born with Venus on top of my sun and Venus on top of my moon. So this, this planet of love and relationships and how we gravitate towards one another with our heart energy right on top of both my luminaries. Right. Um, So I am, I don't think obsessed is too big of a word to use. (laughs) I'm obsessed with relationship astrology, like looking at two individual charts, two individual people and the story that they create when they come together, when they come together in union of relationship, no matter if it's romantic, if it's platonic, if it's a family member, if it's your best friend, if it's an ex, you know, it's like really, what was it? What what was the purpose of this connection? What was the work of this connection? What were the gifts? What were the challenges? Um, it's so juicy and rich to me that I can't, I can't pull away from it. <laughs> it's know? addictive. It's addictive. It it's like addictive. a good romance novel, a really mm-hmm. great movie or show mm-hmm. series. I, I totally agree. And maybe this is because my Scorpio Venus is on top of my Scorpio moon that I Yes, am. that's right. You have that too, that signature, just like me. Yes, I do. Yeah. Share with us. You are my fellow Sagittarius sister, but what's the rest of your big three? I am your Sag sister. I am also a Sagittarius moon. So a lot of Sag going on and I have a Leo rising. So a 
shit ton of fire. However, it's all drowning in the water houses. So (laughs) I think that water element um, really sort of tones down the fire a bit. I can still get really fiery. Um, I get really excited. The Sag in me gets super excited. And um, I got jokes for days. (laughs) And like, I'm really drawn to, um, I have this like, giggling in church sort of personality, if you will, which comes from my strong Sagittarius, but then all the like the fourth house, all the cancer energy. Um, I just want to cuddle and I want to take naps and I want to eat cookies. And like, tell me about your childhood. How are you feeling? What's your relationship like with your mom? (laughs) So that comes in too. Yeah. So I know I'll never forget when I first was introduced to you through Deborah Silverman's program, Mm -hmm. I was like, just that cancerian energy just oozes out of you. And I was like, I want that. I want that nurturing energy. And so when I took your first course, I think it was Sinistry and you shared your chart with us that you were all fire I was like okay I officially don't understand astrology because that is a water woman what (laughs) yeah that's what I thought too I was like why is my fire so mellow and so calm and it is because it's all in that fourth house of cancer so I'm kind of like a cancer in disguise but also I have Neptune on top of my sun which gives me a Pisces signature too so I have like so yes, I'm a double Sag with Aaliyah rising but I'm like a cancer Pisces in disguise it's really weird Oh, I don't know. (laughs) My own chart. How funny as astrologers, we never look at our own charts, do we? Exactly. (laughs) I have to pull mine up to go, do I have anything on my sun? Oh, I have mercury on my sun. So that kind of gives me like a Gemini flare. Gemini flare, Virgo flare at times too, you know? Um, Yeah, absolutely. So yes, you are a Sag, but you're also like a Gemini Virgo touch to that Sag. Big time. I just want mm-hmm. to write. I want to freestyle. Mm-hmm. I want to talk. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. My sad, my sad son's in the house of Libra. So here we go. I know that. Love the relationships. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I love all those experiences. And I want to ask you too, your name, Malika. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Is there a cool story behind why your parents? No one's ever that? asked me about my name before on on a podcast. That's hilarious. How yeah. it's beautiful. It's like a stage name, but that's your real oh, legal name. That's my real legal name. Um, my parents were hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I th- they had a friend, not even like a close friend, just an acquaintance, I think, who had that name, and they loved it, and they gave me that name, and it's Arabic even though I am not Arabic and in Arabic, I think I was told it means the queen. Um, So there's that. And I've always felt a little bit like I have to step into that. I have to wear the shoes, you know, like that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) The fourth house stallion was like, I want to stay home. I don't want to be queen. Go big or go home. I'm going home. Yeah, that's right. And then my Leo rising's like, put that crown on. And then my fourth house is like, no, I'm going to take a nap instead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when you say your parents were hippies, did they study astrology? Is that how you got into it? No, they didn't so much study astrology, but there was a lot of like, um, a lot of earthiness and um, a lot of spirituality in the home, especially for my mom. Um, So she always had like tarot cards or oracle cards. Um, she always talked about like the angels and your guides and like, you know, just this power of, of your thoughts and 
all of that was very much a part of my childhood and my home life and how I was raised. Um, and, you know, she always had, we always had these huge gardens and she, she always grew our own food and everything was always made from scratch. And like, now I think back on it and I'm like, wow, that was kind of cool. But when I was living it, like I was the kid that would go to school and at recess, I'd pull out like my super healthy homemade bread that was like as hard as a brick and, you know, and it had like sprouts and alfalfa sprouts and avocados on it. And then there were these other kids that had like bagels and cream cheese or peanut butter and jelly tarts yes and Doritos and I was like (laughs) you know like I wanted that and yet my mom was so hippie and so like back to earth that yeah it was everything was super healthy and everything was homemade was she a Virgo no she's a double Libra a Libra sun, Libra rising with a Taurus moon. So that Taurus moon really gravitated towards gardening and the earth and what we can get from the earth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. That it's almost like your parents could forecast the future because I feel like that meal is what a lot of kids nowadays are being Mm -hmm. given. The sprouts, the avocado. Yes. Yeah. And she was like way ahead of her time, (laughs) you know? Um, and we always had like her hippie friends over and it was just a very, um, it was a sweet childhood with her. She's like my best friend. And it was very, we were outside all the time. Um, I was constantly, and we lived in the middle of this like huge vineyard as well in Northern California. And I was just like free to just go run and play in the gardens and in the vineyards. And I would come home at the end of the day with like sticks in my hair and Oh, <laughs> you know, they're on my overalls and yeah. Simply the best. And then you look at kids today and they're just like picking fruit on a vineyard on an iPad for a I video know. game. <laughs> I know. Oh. I did the real thing. Yeah. Wow. And that just sounds so lovely. And do you think that that's a manifestation of your fourth house stellium? Just a lot of energy it and love. very and well be. Yeah. It could very well be with my mom. Um, yeah. Yeah, she was definitely like, we were, she was my parents, but we were also like friends, you know, growing up. My dad was like the strict stern one. Um, But me and my mom, we were just like friends and we played and we were free. Was he a Capricorn? Like, what's dad's chart? Oh my God. First of all, he wouldn't give me his birth time until recently, just because he knew what he what knows you would do for work. <laughs> he knows what I do for work. And um, he was just, he didn't want to give that to me. And that's really such an encapsulation of who he is and our relationship <laughs> dynamic. But when I found out, um, so he's a Gemini, but he has a huge stellium in Taurus and a huge stellium in the, in the 10th house. So he has that Capricorn, that mm-hmm. stubbornness of the Taurus, right? And it just, it, it just described, he was like such a disciplinarian, such like he needed authority. He needed the power. He needed to say what goes. Um, and he wouldn't budge from that. You know, the Taurus was so stuck and rigid in that 10th house and, in my opinion, it was a lot of the like shadow sides of those signs that, mm-hmm. that sort of came through was my experience of him as a father. Yeah. Um, and, but it was, it's just so telling when I finally got that birth time <laughs> and I plugged it in and I saw his chart. 
Right. I, yeah. I was just sharing this in one of my, I think it's my new and good Monday newsletter that mm-hmm. I find I was sitting at my granny's dinner table one evening mm-hmm. and she knows I'm an astrologer and she's cool with it. She knows she's a Leo. She's like, I don't know what that means. Just yeah. a cute Midwest <laughs> woman. Yeah. And I just asked her, I was like, granny, I'm so curious. I have my mom's chart, but I'd love to see yours. And so she mm-hmm. dug through all of her attic files and she was yeah. like, well, is it on my birth certificate? And I'm like, yeah, go find it. Yeah. And she did. And she found it. It was like 6.53 PM and she was fascinated and she couldn't wait till I pulled her chart up. And then when I did mm-hmm. to have hers, my mm-hmm. mom's and mine blew me away because yeah. you can see the you see similari- similarities. We all have our son in the seventh house right. and we all have the same exact experiences where we got married to the wrong people when we were young because it was an escape out of something uncomfortable. For mm-hmm. my grandma, she was raised by a single mom who was extremely religious and lived with nuns. And mm-hmm. so she was as a Leo who wanted to be creative and wild. Yep. Yes. Nope, nope beat with rulers, literally. And so she met a cute guy, didn't knew from day one, not it, got married to get out. Wow. Mom got married to my biological father to get Mm -hmm. out of her family situation. I got married when I was super young because I wanted out of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get out of New England. It was never for me. Mm -hmm. Seventh house, the house of marriage, the house of others, the house of relationship, the house of escaping what's not comfortable. And trying to get into like, if there's disharmony, if there's awkwardness, if there's tension, like, nope, we're going to ignore that. We're pushing things under the rug in the seventh house, right? And just going where um, we're agreeable. We say yes to everything, even if it doesn't serve us. You know, that's the more shadow side of the seventh house. And yeah, using marriage as like an escape (laughs) mechanism to avoid um, the harsh reality of things. Yeah. Oh, you know, just bless the person I was married to in my 20s. He's a really lovely guy, Aquarius, Sun and Moon. (laughs) He was fun. He was different. He was cool. But, you know, we were both so young. And if he were here, I'm sure he would just echo everything I say. But we were just so young and we both were kind of trauma bonded and we're like, let's get out of our family dynamics. Get out of here. But you're, you're right. Because when I got married to him, we moved to North Carolina where we knew nobody and we were just in our perfect little quiet bubble. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. was it. Mm -hmm. Cut the outside world in, but also never grow together, never have conflict, never have difficult conversations. Just. Do you still keep in touch at all? Do you hear from each other every once in a while or not so much? We used to, after we got divorced, it was, you know, happy birthdays and how's Jeffrey the pug doing. And, but you know, you just, you separate. And, you know, when I first started dating JL, he knew, and he was happy for me and even said like, I hope I find this one day. And I was like, you will, like, you're such a great guy. You will. So it's that our composite chart, I shouldn't give you his stuff. We have a cancer rising. Oh, you do. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I feel like you've told me that before. We have a cancer yeah. rising and mm-hmm. every single I'm not kidding, I should pull it up to show you every single planet, like 12 in the mm-hmm. sixth house. In the sixth house. Wow. That's so much sixth house energy. Yeah. Too much to where it's not sexy. It's not love. Mm-hmm. It's two mm-hmm. kids trauma bonded just kind of taking care of yeah. each other. Yeah, exactly. You know? So always wishing each other well, but yeah. And then my and your composite chart. I don't remember what we were doing, but we pulled it up at some point. And what were we doing? I, oh, maybe we were doing like a live together or something. I yes, yes. 
discovering that we were sisters in a yeah. past life, which feels so resonant to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and those are the types of things you can find in relationship yeah. charts. Like what is the, what are the past lives that these two have lived and, yeah. and where are they coming from and growing into this lifetime? There were so many family sister signatures in our composite chart. It was like undeniable, you know? Yes. And I said that on the live when we were talking about it, when I take your courses and you know, mm-hmm. you're so busy, you're leading a group of like 20, 30 people. And so there's just names in the chat, but every time yeah. we would end the course, like after spending a week together every day, I was like, no, like you're my family. <laughs> I miss you already. It was I just know. This heart chakra of warmth yeah. feeling towards you. So I was Aww. like, that is my teacher over everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Yes. And then, and then like outside of the courses, we've just developed a really sweet relationship, friendship, you know, yeah. bond, you and I. It, it and feels I effortless. It. It's so bizarre that we've never met in real life. I know. It feels like we have. Oh, like 100%. Me, it feels like we have, but yeah. 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 You know, you, you find those friends where you can just show up unannounced and just make a cup of tea and just sit and stare at the trees together and not say much. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's us. That's us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So again, you guys can just tell us a love affair we have of being sisters in a lifetime. We should explain that in relationship astrology, there's really, there's many, but for this episode, we're going to talk about composite charts and sinistry charts. So you Mm -hmm. beautifully explain it. What is the difference between those two? Yeah, I get that question a lot because it can be confusing. So synastry charts are two individual people's birth charts, like pressed up against each other, if you will. And it shows how you affect one another, the way you trigger one another, the way you love one another, the good feelings you bring towards each other, the challenging feelings you bring towards each other. It's really how you affect one another. But the composite chart is also a relationship chart that is birthed. It's its own entity that happens when you put two people's charts together, you weave them together, and it births a third chart. And that is the chart of the very relationship that we're looking at. Yeah. So with synastry, there's not a there's not really a third chart birthed. It's just like pressing two charts up against each other. And like these are the pokey points and these are the loving points. And the composite is like its own entity of the relationship itself. Yeah. I find that the synastry charts are really therapeutic for couples mm-hmm. or any type of relationship, romantic mm-hmm. or platonic, where yeah. you can say, Hey, your strengths are this work on yeah. those, use those. And mm-hmm. your weaknesses that just pay attention yeah. to are these, whereas composite still has that flavor, but mm-hmm. so many people who love psychology and spirituality, they want to know why did we come together? Like it yeah. was so synchronistic how I met yeah. you. It would just be cool to see who we were in a past life and kind of where we should go. Yes. Yeah. So you can see, I love that part of the composite. And I think I, te- I teach that um, in the composite chart karma course. It's look finding the past life of the relationship and how to move into like the new current flavor, not get stuck in the past life, not ignore the past life honor it, be in reverence to it, and then gracefully like incorporate and pull in the current life too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jay and I have used our composite, Jay and I have used our composite chart, which we can pull up and discuss Mm -hmm. if you'd like. I have so many. I have it here on my screen. Yeah. Oh, let's look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Pull it up. I want, there's a placement on it. That's Mm -hmm. our Mars in the 12th house in Mm -hmm. Gemini, Mm -hmm. right on our rising. Do you see that? Yeah. 
I feel like that right is, at me. it's yeah. big, it's bold. And I it's always feel bold. like that's how this relationship could end. We have to pay attention to mm-hmm. this because it's right. The 12th house of endings. 12th house of endings. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge signature in your composite chart with JL. Um, Mars on the rising sign in Gemini. Mars is coming from the 12th house. And this is the relationship, right? This is what you guys create by being in connection. You guys create Mars on the rising sign. So first of all, Mars is a part of how people see you guys, you know, out together. So Gemini is how people see you guys. Let's just start with a rising sign there. You guys could be a very fun couple, um, a very intellectual couple. You guys have something to say, something to teach many people, the community, right? Gemini more than one. So like the community, the town you live in, your neighborhood, whatever it is, there's a Gemini feel to your relationship. Um, It could be like, uh, there's a kid-like energy to the two of you when you guys are out together. There's a playfulness, there's a silliness, there's a sense of adventure and never like being in the same spot for long, you know, Gemini, the wanderer, um, but also very intellectual, being very curious together, um, asking those bigger questions, being in constant communication. Like you guys walk in as a duo into some sort of a gathering and you put off this Gemini feel. You guys are fun. You know how to like flip from flower to flower and like engage in that way. Now Mars comes into the mix and it makes you guys very charismatic very dynamic. Um, There's a sexiness to the relationship too, because Mars is also our sexual energy, right? And when it's conjunct the rising sign, it's almost like it's on display in a way. So, and what I mean by that is that we can feel the magnetism as you guys can, we can feel the charisma behind this connection. Um, But it can also feel like for you guys intense, It can feel very Mars, like there can be um, competition that comes up in the relationship or, (laughs) you know, or like butting up the heads or challenges or the warrior is brought out. Now, are you guys fighting on the same team for the same thing with Mars or are you fighting each other? And it probably shapes, shifts and, you know, takes on different shapes. Like, one week you guys are fighting together on the same team. The next week you guys are fighting each other. That's the flavor of Mars. Nothing holds still, right? It, yes. it, it, it expresses its energies, um, the high road and the low road at different points of life. Yep. How do you feel that Mars on the rise? Ooh. Well, isn't it in the 12th house? It is in the is 12th that, house. So it's a little did, bit hidden from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say when friends or family come to stay with us, they feel our intensity. And I think for people who have much lighter placements or not so Scorpio or Mars, they are like, whoa, you guys need a break from each other. But we're like, this is normal. Like Mm -hmm. we, I think we, we freak people out because we're so transparent with each other. A lot of, a lot of people in relationships have private lives that they don't share everything. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is our Gemini too. We share everything. Mm -hmm. I have had my mom say, you guys tell each other that? And we're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's a little too much TMI. And we're like, no, this is my best friend. And yeah. then when we do, I call it debates because I'm blessed that JL and I never get in like knockout, drag out, airy style fights. Mm-hmm. We don't. But can we debate each other with calm yeah. voices? But you mm-hmm. can tell that that Mars is just going boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, it's like Gemini with a little totally. alien in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people are like, what? I remember one time we had his boys and we were getting in one of those debates. And I was like, we're not doing this in front of the boys. And he mm-hmm. said, no, they need to see what a healthy argument mm-hmm. and making up looks like. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's actually really wise of you. And so uh-huh. we had them on our laps. They were playing with toys, but we were just doing our debate a little calmer. Yeah. And then we actually resolved it in front of them and they sat mm-hmm. there the whole time. And I, mm-hmm. we think that that was a really good example of showing them conflict. Doesn't yeah. Have that's to be beautiful. Aggressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fighting with love, Mars in the 12th house, fighting with love, right? It's the house mm-hmm. of unconditional love. You put the warrior, the fighter in the house of love. Yeah. You're fighting with love. You're putting down the sword and the shield and you're, you're fighting with love. You're fighting for love. Um, yeah. You're fighting with compassion and empathy for the other. That, that resonates so heavily mm-hmm. because a lot of the people who listen to the show know we're dealing with co-parenting. We're dealing mm-hmm. with lack of family support on both ends. Yeah. It's a really difficult, interesting dynamic our relationship has, but they always say, I couldn't handle that. I couldn't mm-hmm. do that. But mm-hmm. we we fight those difficult things with this mm-hmm. unconditional love for yeah. each other. It's it true. rules all. Yeah. yeah. And it's so strong because it's linked to the rising, right? So it's really loud in your yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we yeah. love to be an example mm-hmm. to people like, hey, love can conquer all. It's not just a hippie saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. It should really can. We have Chiron in the first house, Chiron the wound. Chiron in the first house. That's right. I remember in class, you said anything in someone's first house composite, they wear on the relationship like a tattoo. Yeah. You wear it on the sleeve, on your sleeve, right? So it can go one of two ways with Chiron. It could be the healing aspects that this relationship brings in. You guys are making that public. You guys are publicly sharing the wounds the grief, the pain of being in partnership, being in this relationship, but also the healing process that takes place, the soothing that takes place, the, the, we were just talking about Chiron in, in this webinar I was doing before I came here. And it's like accepting the invite to Chiron. And for you guys, it's a huge part of the relationship. It's how the relationship is seen, right? Mm-hmm accepting RSVPing that this relationship can bring up a lot of triggers and a lot of wounds and it has the potential to heal and the rest of us can see it. It's in the first house of like what you show, right? You know, the first house and the 10th house um, are really public placements in, in a composite chart. Um, and so it is like that, that tattoo you guys wear, it's the, the tattoo of the relationship it is Chiron. And so it could be the sweetest, most soothing, most healing relationship. And it could be the relationship that shows you the wounds and the work and the triggers, you know, and, that and the has, things that come up. That's resonates so deeply because mm-hmm. I've, that's been our most frequent comment or compliment from people is I've never seen two people fight so hard for a connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then is that, that Chiron in the first? Yes, yes. And the the whole all those planets shoved into the second house in this chart too. It's like, you know, because those are opposite houses. The first house holds Chiron, and then opposite is is the stellium in the seventh house. You guys are fighting for the relationship, for the connection, for um the partnership, for walking side by side. There's some sort of a fight, a wound, a healing that takes place in pulling from that seventh house of partnership. 
Wow. Yeah. Cause we have Saturn in the seventh house, don't we? And Saturn, Saturn is- in the seventh house, Saturn on top of your descendant. And as you know, I call Saturn super glue <laughs> when there's a strong Saturn, um, in a composite chart. And I consider a strong Saturn if he is on the descendant, like you guys have, or on the ascendant or on the luminaries or on Venus, right? When he's like playing with something in the chart and he's not all by himself, that's a really strong Saturn. So super glue of what? Super glue of the actual relationship because that's, he's glued himself to the descendant, which represents the relationship. relationship. Wow. I didn't even catch that in yeah. Yeah. Is that why like him and I can fight or just go through a little break from each other? And then I'm at the grocery store and I'm like, huh, look at these chips. <laughs> That's the super like, glue. Like yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh, wait, yeah. we're fighting right now, but I forgot because you're my friend and I like to share little things yeah. with you. <laughs> look yeah. at the squirrel on the tree. And he's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> wow. Holy. And don't we have a bunch of planets, like four in our fifth house? Listen, you have five in your house. Oh. <laughs> we have we have the same thing in our synastry as well. All of our planets fall in that fifth house. So I remember that. I remember you sharing that. And the other thing that really stands out with that fifth house is that they're all personal planets, which makes it even more personally felt. Pluto's in there too, though. So you got four personal planets and little outer planet Pluto came in there just to create some more intensity. Yeah. <laughs> like we need any more. Yeah, but you have the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, and Pluto all in the fifth house. And I call this the party house. This is the house of love. This is the house of romantic love. Um, You know, if you think about love, you can go to the fifth house, you can go to the seventh house. The eighth house is like deep, deep soul connection. Um, But the fifth house carries this dating vibe with it where the beginnings of a relationship where you get excited to see somebody, you get butterflies in your stomach or you shave your legs for that person, you know, all the <laughs> <things we> do. <laughs> when we first meet them. Um, so the fifth house sort of holds that, that kind of energy. And to see this many planets in the fifth house, it's like a promise that the romance is there And it has longevity because it's solidified into the relationship chart, right? So, so this, this romance, this uh, dating vibe, this idea of being in love and being in love with loving each other, you know, being in love with the relationship does have those flavors and Pluto being there, it brings in the intensity of that too. Now, the other parts of a fifth house, a packed fifth house and composite chart is you know, there can be a little bit of drama sometimes with this relationship. We can be, <laughs> we can be theatrical. Um, we can be, it can be very egocentric. Like it, the relationship feeds the egos at, at certain points. Um, it can also be very, uh, we need a lot, we need to pay a lot of attention to the relationship. Like a thing that would really hurt the relationship is, you know, in, in times of fighting, if one person ignores the other, or if one person just Oops. stops talking to the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the fifth house is like, pay attention to me. Don't ignore me. The worst thing you could ever do to a Leo is ignore them. Right. I mean, that would be like the Leo needs attention, even yeah. if they wouldn't admit it. <laughs> yeah. And so it has that energy there. Do you feel both? Like the, oh, the, the good parts and the hard parts? 
one million percent, our relationship has been extremely dramatic, both because we're two wounded people like everybody else trying Mm -hmm. to have a good partnership, but Mm -hmm. also because of outside influences. Like on my end, I'm a public figure somewhat. And so Mm -hmm. I've got so many opinions from people who are obsessed and love us and look up to us to people who have said from day one, I don't like him. I don't think you guys are a good Mm -hmm. couple. Mm -hmm. And then co-parenting drama. It's it's always, we're in a good place now, but in the beginning it was just waiting for the next shoe to drop. That's that's the other thing I was going to bring in this much energy in the fifth house. Children are involved. Children are involved. Whether it's your own biological children, whether one is pulling in children from previous relationships into the, the partnership you guys have now, whether you guys are working with children, children are involved in this, in this particular relationship and Pluto in there can make it intense and, you know, um, very meaningful, Yeah, but also like working out the, those more intense dynamics. Oh, it's fascinating. You know, I already pulled my composite with his two boys. We need another hour or two for that. It's so (laughs) cool. Me and his oldest have a huge stellium in the seventh house of super glue. Do you hear that background noise? Lucia, that? that's my dog. She wants to be in it. She's sleeping, but she's sleeping against the wall. And she's like dreaming in her sleep and her little paws are scratching the wall. She's chasing a squirrel. <laughs> and tearing my wall apart at the same time. Well, they're used to hearing Jeffrey snoring in the background. So what would an episode be without dogs? <laughs> oh, my God. Lucia. She's, she's a Scorpio. She has a Leo moon, though. So she's you know, <laughs> She's, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I I pull Jeffrey's chart all the time. Sagittarius, mm-hmm. Aries, Moon. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a dick. <laughs> Double <laughs> fire. Yeah, he and I would get along really well. <laughs> yes, you would love him. You would love him. Yes. Oh, I just pulled up the composite now that I'm looking at it. I think the only thing in me and JL's composite that when I was studying, I was like, woo woo, was our Venus is squaring Neptune. Venus squaring Neptune. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see it. So Venus squaring Neptune in a composite chart. This is like pretending things are a certain way when they're not. Yes. It's um, Neptune coming in and saying, we're going to make up a story. We're going to create a fantasy. We're going to create this ideal version of the relationship. And we we might even put it up on a pedestal at times. But what is the actual reality? No, we don't want to talk about the actual reality. We're just pretending it's really beautiful and creative and loving. And, you know, so it's like idolizing the relationship, putting the relationship up on a pedestal. But nobody likes to be up on a pedestal. It's high up. You might lose your balance and fall off. Um, It's a little bit like uh, pretending at times. And having, because it's a square, it's where part of the work shows up, then having to be really mindful and aware of, wait, I projected this story or this ideal onto the relationship, but it's not really like that. So how do I come back to the reality of what it is? Yeah, it's this constant reminder of stop pretending, go back to the reality and build there rather than building from this idealized version of of the 
relationship. Does that make sense? To oh, you? No, just so, so much. And I have so many memories just flooding my eyeballs right now mm-hmm. where I'm like in this fifth house stellium of romance and fun. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. When we're good, it is just pure ecstasy. Yeah. Ecstasy. And it's, yeah. we're going on four years and it's like still there at times. Of course it's yeah. different, but it's That's still, how stellium. Yeah. yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like, I just met you and I'm shaving my legs. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like that. But then the crashes when yeah. you have to realize, oh, we have children to take care of, or mm-hmm. I have a health issue. I need you mm-hmm. to come with me and watch yeah. my surgery and see me in a not so sexy, yeah. hairy legs vibe yeah. crashing down. And, and then, but it always goes back up. But then there are these sobering moments, especially with co-parenting where it's like, we're in love and our relationship is perfect. Yeah. And then here comes the call or the text and it's like, oh shit. Yes. No, definitely not. There it is. Yeah. But you know, the thing that I, when I open up your composite chart, I mean, as a relationship astrologer, the relationship houses are the fifth and the seventh house. And that's where my eyes gravitate towards. Both of those are packed for you guys. You have what's called stelliums, a shit ton of planets in both the relationship houses. And that's saying something. Yeah. You no, know? it, it is. It's, yeah. When people give us that, I take it as a compliment. I don't know if it's like a backhanded, well, you guys are toxic. <laughs> when people are like, I've never seen two people fight so hard to mm-hmm. stay together. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'm learning. And the next chart I'm going to pull up is my mom's and eyes. Yeah. So oh, I have great, yeah. Get that one ready because it this floods into this uh-huh. where it, I'm trying not to repeat past patterns. And I've mm-hmm. already seen, you know, I've been married and I've been divorced right on my Saturn return. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that again. And yeah. now this one's super serious. You know, Jay and I don't have children yet. If we're blessed mm-hmm. to one day, that would be beautiful. But mm-hmm. we do. I have got my bonus boys. You know, those That's are right. very much, very much our children. And yeah. it's, yeah, shit just gets real. And I feel like separation from him, because of course it's been spoken about, we're human, mm-hmm. is separating from those kids too. And I've had a vision of oh, like raising is. them yeah. alongside everyone. And it's just, it's difficult. And so yeah. it's so hard to know should I stay or is this run its course? And there is just- That's where transits come in, right? That's where like transits are waking up the chart and they're saying, hey, this is the energy coming in now, right? Whatever you want to do with it. And uh, yeah, we have, we just had Venus in our 12, Mars in our 12, the sun's about to be in our 12th mm-hmm. house of endings for everyone listening. Yeah. Right, na- right now it's in our 11th house though. What's in your 11th house right now? It looks like I'm looking at the transits. Yeah. So you guys are coming up on your Jupiter return on the relationships, Jupiter return, um, which is huge for a relationship. I just pulled up my ephemeris to give you the exact dates. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let me find it. Let me find it. Um, 14 degrees of Taurus. So July, August, you're going to feel it the most. Hold on. September. October. Nice. Okay. So it's like all through the summer into the fall into 2024. She's he Jupiter stays in Taurus for a long time because of the retrogrades. Um, And then it's going to be really strong again in March of next year. And it lasts through March of next year. Right. And that's my natal Jupiter too. So I guess for me, it's like double time. 
like a double time, double party. <laughs> and so what does that mean for a relationship chart? A for a relationship chart, there's a lot of growth that comes in. Expansion. It can feel like the relationship is just expanding and up-leveling, upgrading into new heights, right? Mm-hmm. Jupiter wants to rise to the occasion. Usually with Jupiter, because he's one of the benefics, he it, there's an abundant feeling of like, the sky's the limit in this relationship. We can do anything. There's opportunities, there's possibilities, there's open doorways that are like showing themselves that we didn't see before. There's solutions that we didn't see before. There's opportunities that weren't here before, you know, before the Jupiter return. And it can feel like this breathless, exciting energy into the relationship. And Jupiter expands whatever is. So... If there is fighting, if there is tension, sometimes Jupiter can expand that too. Even though he usually is like the optimistic, feel-good planet, sometimes you can feel an expansion of what actually is happening. Most of the time, he's here to bless you. And so it's really sweet. And would you take into account the house it's in? So for us, it's the 11th of hopes and dreams and friends. Dreams and wishes and who you guys are, who the relationship is in the community, who the relationship is, your friendship circles, um, your social circles, Mm -hmm. uh, other people, you know, involved in supporting this relationship. All of that stuff gets amplified. And that's where like a lot of solutions and opportunity present themselves too. When the relationship is sort of taken out of just me and you and shared in a sense with community and with like groups and organizations and clubs that you guys are a part of, you know, Um, things like that. So that's coming up for you guys, which is actually really exciting. Yeah, I, I get a good feeling about it. Whichever, whatever's meant to, I, you know, I love my Jupiter rules mm-hmm. Sagittarius. Yeah. I'm looking at the North node. And so mm-hmm. for those listening, the North node is telling in a composite chart, where should we, you know, as astrologers, when we read composite for couples, we're like, okay, yeah. where should we really kind of push them mm-hmm. towards moving mm-hmm. as a couple and pull them yeah. out of that South node, which is where they can get stuck. Yeah. Do you see ours? It was, or do yeah. you see charts? Yeah. North node and Pisces in that 10th house. Yeah. So let's start with the South node. I always start with a past life <laughs> to know like where you guys came from, where the relationship came from. So when we have the Pisces Virgo axis, there are themes of taking care of each other and being in service to each other. Mm-hmm. The past life of the relationship being in Virgo and being in the fourth house There were themes of, yes, doing family and past life, but taking care of each other through family dynamics, taking care of each other through um, on the domestic front, right? Being on the same team, working practically towards home life, family life. I'm pulling in the houses as well. Um, Taking care of of one another, being in duty to one another, um, being obligated to one another, feeling like you're in duty to provide some sort of service together, do some sort of work together, health stuff coming in in past lives too, um, taking care of each other in that way, perhaps. This lifetime, you're being asked to move away from the home, the fourth house, and move into the public eye, the 10th house, the relationship. You're being asked to 
let go of the details and the obligations and the duty and what's on the the to-do list as a couple and move into the faith and the trust and the divinity and the spirituality of the relationship. And because it's on the most, in the most public house we have, like sharing about that and sharing about, you know, the spiritual connection of the relationship and things that are beyond this world and hard to put into words, the karmic connection you guys have, the unconditional love, the empathy, the those spiritual ties you guys have, right? So you're coming from a very practical, logical, down-to-earth past life where we're really taking care of each other's health and we're on the home front working hard to move into the outer world and trust the process. You don't you don't necessarily need the plan that you needed in past lives. Let go of the plan. Let go of the um, this idea of what the relationship should be, the perfection of it past life, and move into the trust and the flow. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And it's essentially what I'm doing right now. I'm mm-hmm. in Indiana with my family, visiting, mm-hmm. learning, growing, and he is remaining in Denver and Texas. And mm-hmm. People would think, oh, you broke up because you don't live together. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm taking a Steph sabbatical, which I think Mm -hmm. to me in our relationship may not look normal. Oh, you don't live together. You no, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's Piscean. It's mutable. It's I'm going to go do this for a little bit. He's going to go do that for a little bit. What? Yeah. Right. But in the past life, it's like, no, you get a mortgage, you live together. (laughs) Exactly. You did Virgo and at the home front, right? And you guys also have Uranus on the descendant. So permission to not have this relationship look traditional, to not have it look a certain way according to society standards, but to do it in your very own authentic way that serves the two people involved in the relationship best, right? Oh, yes. And we have so many opinions on, you guys should be doing this. You should be living here. You should all the time. People love it because we're so Gemini. People feel very open to tell us these things. And we do. We get caught up in like, oh, should we? But mm-hmm. we're just so different. We're yeah. just so eccentric, different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There it is. There it wow. is. All in the chart. All in the chart. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, this is why I love astrology because it's a hall pass. Like Deb said, mm-hmm. it's a hall pass to be who yeah. you are. When you're drop, when you start a relationship with someone, Godspeed, you're starting a game of <laughs> Hunger Games. Yeah. The world is going to chew you up and spit you out. And you really have to be you on are. each other's team. And yeah. Seeing this blueprint of like, hey, this is a weather forecast for you guys. Mm-hmm. You get to decide if you're going to put your rain boots on and dance in the rain or if you're going to work towards the good parts of it. Yeah. And, you know, looking at these composite charts, these relationship charts, I see the potential that the relationship has. Yeah. And then there's two human beings that have free will. Yes. Right? I was going to ask you about that yes. because I've seen some composite where it's like all 12th house or like all eighth house. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, how do I deliver this message? Yeah. Yeah. When you see those harder relationship charts, um, I'm a, I'm a really firm believer and not like sugarcoating it, right? You can, you can say, you can say, yeah, this is a relationship that really takes both people to do the work of it. You know, this is a relationship that, wow, you guys signed up for something really big together, you know, um, to, to offer that to the couple and not sugarcoat it or candy coat it. Someone asked a really good question. I did just a little over a month ago. And she said, mm-hmm. Hey, like you read my composite chart. And there were a lot of placements that would indicate faded relationship meant to be twin flame, you know, mm-hmm. air quotes, twin flame meant to be soulmate. But yeah. this 
person was married and had no interest in leaving his family Mm -hmm. to start a new one with her. It was just this beautiful, passionate, spiritual love affair. And so she was like, what do I do? It's, Mm -hmm. I can feel it. The pattern app says we are (laughs) meant to be perfect 10 out of 10. Our composite is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but he's never going to leave his wife and three kids. So she's like, what does that mean? How do I watch as changes come in through transits. Ah. So when, when the person says they're never going to do this or they're never going to do that, they haven't had Uranus visit their relationship chart yet. You know, that brings in so much change. They haven't had Saturn visit their, their uh, composite chart yet, you know? And so things shift and change when transits hit the composite chart. And it's hard when you feel that beautiful, soulful connection with someone and they're unavailable Mm -hmm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. The word is currently and in the moment and things always shift and change and play out. Like, so allowing it to play out organically, allowing the trust to be there, allowing the feeling to be there that, wow, I feel so connected to this person and honoring that and being in reverence to that. And then just being tuned into the energies that are brought in, in through yeah. transit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tricky. We're human. We have heart connections. We have desires and we have yearnings. And sometimes it's harder to fulfill those. And yeah. sometimes they're handed to you. And sometimes you're asked to work for them. And sometimes they happen out of the blue overnight. Right. And it all has to do with like the transits and what's happening in the composite chart that way. Yeah, so I always forget to take a peek at the transit. I just go right to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Why are we fighting? Is it yeah. on Mars? Without so, clicking the transits. But yeah. I was saying yeah. that this morning, like we have such a luxury life with the internet because I feel like people back in the day, astrologers, oh my God. Had to actually, you pen and yeah. paper calculate because yeah. you guys, the composite chart, mathematically speaking, is just the halfway point between mm-hmm. your you gotta numbers. Do math. <laughs> you got to do math. And they would do that to really draw yeah. out by hand. Now we just click buttons. and oh, Now we just click buttons and totally cheat and have it handed to us. Yes. But thank God, because I hate math. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this. No, I could not do it. You know, I would absolutely. probably have somebody doing the math for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, thank you so much for checking out JL and I's comments. Yeah. Astrology is an art and it's so beautiful how mm-hmm. you interpret, at least for me, I just, in love with you. I love your interpretation of things. Cause you know, I sit here and I glance at it. I read it in class mm-hmm. and I've interpreted a lot of what you said, but not in that way. And a lot of people ask me like, Steph, if you have the key to the kingdom with astrology, mm-hmm. wouldn't your relationships be perfect? Wouldn't your parenting oh, strategy? Hell no. <laughs> so, you know, in your words and yeah. your interpretation, do you ever look at your chart with your partners or your mm-hmm. children? You have got, you've mm-hmm. got two boys. Mm-hmm. Do you ever take a peek at them and say, okay, we're in conflict right now. Or there's something going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, when I remember I do. The thing is being an astrologer, I barely ever look at my own chart. And I usually have like my other astrology friends be like, well, you are going through yada, yada, yada. And then it just, I'm like, oh my God, you're right. How did I forget that? You know, because I'm, I'm like the work I do is I'm looking at other people's charts all day, but I do study my boys charts. Um, and I certainly know what transits they're going through. (laughs) Um, 
And then I have to remember like, and I've pulled our composite charts and like have deep dived into those, but to put the transits on myself and my son's composite charts, I mean, I need to do that. I need to refresh that. And you know what else I use in, in relationship to is the progressed moon, which I'm obsessed with. To know your partner's progressed moon is to have such allowance and consideration and compassion for who they are in that moment. You I'm know? so glad you brought that up. And I mm-hmm. think JL and I got uh, lucky with that because we have twin Scorpio moons. Him and I both have that. And so our progressed moons are only like six months behind each other. Wow. He's entering a Pisces progressed moon as we speak. And then September I enter mine. And so we're really oh connected God. on that. It's just yeah. the houses, the houses, yeah. are the houses are different. Yeah. And so that's fascinating to me to know the rhythm of the progressed moon between you and your partner. So for, for you guys, for instance, he's six months ahead of you, but you're going to catch up and you guys are in the same cycle all the time. All the time. Right? Isn't There's that wild? Partners who are progressed moons are constantly squaring each other. They will forever square each other. Yeah. There's other partners whose progressed moons will forever sextile each other. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. they all shift and move at the same time. And that's really interesting to know. You know, it's hard if you find a person and your progressed moons will forever square one another. Yeah. That's hard. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's it, okay that it's hard is the thing, right? Astrology is not something you believe. It's something you experience. And mm-hmm. I forgot to glance at that, but when I told him like, Hey, we got to get out of this lease. I got to go take a step sabbatical mm-hmm. as soon as we kind of separated, not literally, but physically separated yeah. is when his progressed moon switched into Pisces seventh house. Wow. Right. Yes. Very yes. And his thoughts are always swirling around like what's next for our relationship. What's mm-hmm. going on with our connection. Let's go to mm-hmm. therapy together. Let's mm-hmm. buy a house together. Yeah. He's always in that mindset. And my progressed moon in Pisces is about to enter the 10th house. Uh-huh. And so the houses are kind of squaring there. Cause I'm like, yeah, okay, JL, like I want to open an astrology store. I got to go talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, and that's interesting. I I'm just thinking about you and I, so your progressed moon is moving into Pisces. Yeah. My progressed moon is in Leo, but it's in the 12th house. And so I also have that Piscean flavor. So you and I will forever be linked with our progressed moon cycles by your sign in my house. So when you move into Aries, you'll be in the progressed first. moon will be in the first house. Whoa. And that's so sweet. I know. That's why we're always, that's why everything you share on your stories, I'm cracking up. I think it's yeah. so funny. I love everything you love. That's hilarious. You told me not too long ago that, um, how did you put it? You just want to live in a cabin by yourself and isolate. And I have never resonated more with anything in my whole (laughs) goddamn life because my progress moon's in the 12th house. I'm like, fuck yeah. Let me be on the other side of that mountain from you in my own cabin. Yeah. And we'll meet up for breakfast and then separate to go be alone. Totally. Get our hour of socialization and yes. walkie talkie me if you need me. Yes, exactly. It's it's so true. And so yeah. to know the progressed moon of your partner or your child or your family member or your dog. I mean, it just allows for okay, they won't shut the fuck up because their progressed yes. moon is in Gemini. Yes. And I might be yes. in Pisces and I just want stillness, but they won't stop talking. Yes. And now I know why they won't stop talking. And now I can have compassion for them and I can gracefully remove myself if I need silence too. 
Truly. I am so glad you brought that up because I Mm -hmm. forgot too, but that is the number one thing I look at in my relationship readings. And also for myself is okay. What series is this? If someone's about to enter a progress moon in Scorpio, I send them a link to better help with the discount code. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And here's my therapist's number because you'll be needing them in a little while. (laughs) We kid, we kid. I actually like my progress moon in Scorpio, but maybe it's because I fell at home. (laughs) Probably you probably, you feel so at home in that, yeah. um, rest moon Scorpio. Cause your natal moon lives there. Yeah, right. So I was like, bring it on. I got a divorce during my progress moon Sagittarius. Uh huh. Breaking yeah. free. Needed that freedom. freedom. Yeah. Travel, living on the road again. I met yeah. JL when my progress moon was in Capricorn and he mm-hmm. has such masculine entrepreneur energy that uh, when I first met him as a friend, I was like, Oh, I need yeah. to be on my best behavior. I need to yeah. prove that I'm building something good. Yeah. I'm actually creating a course with Tara from Luminary Parenting. Yeah. And you know Tara, right? Yes. Um, we're creating a progressed moon course. I'm going to do it from the perspective of relationship. She's going to do it from the perspective of parenting. It's going to be so juicy. When is that coming out? We're just in, in the talks of it. Um, maybe like later this summer, perhaps. Well, is there a wait list? Can I join right now? <laughs> you are always welcome. You are always oh. at the top of my wait list. Oh. Um, whether you put your name yeah. there or not, yes. I put your name there. Um, but that's going to be fascinating because like you, you're in your progressed moon in Aquarius. You're at the end of it right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and so... And so what do you need as being in your progress moon in, in Aquarius? And what do you give as being in your progress moon in Aquarius in relationship, right? Yeah. So I would go over that and she'll go over like, if your child is in their progress moon in Aquarius, how do you best parent them and dance with them? I would even add your parents because it seems like a lot of us are parenting our parents right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> what right. is their progress moon? And yeah. Yes. Wow. My progress moon has been going through the ninth house of my beliefs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the sign of Aquarius. And I had just told you earlier, like, I don't know if I want to do light workers lounge anymore. I don't yeah. resonate with that spiritual belief. Yeah. Yeah. of that twin flame stuff anymore. I still love it. I'll mm-hmm. forever ask the universe to show me an owl if I should do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if I want to teach it. I don't want to, if I want to be known as the queen of light workers. Mm-hmm. And I, would you say that's big Aquarius, 9,000 energy? Huge Aquarius, huge ninth house. I mean, those are both signs of freedom. Yeah being free of anything that our commitments, anything that ties us down. And then Aquarius is like detaching and letting go and being free. Um, And Sag is always thinking about the next adventure, the next big thing, you know, the next next adventure, the next big thing. Um, And, and, and allowing freedom in that, right. Allowing yourself to flow and find, as we constantly evolve and change what best suits us in our current moment. Yeah. Isn't Pisces in the 10th house that progress? Isn't that kind of like a dichotomy? Because Pisces is like, I just want to float, smoke weed, daydream. But that 10th house is like, yeah, well, make it your career. Yeah. (laughs) Roll joints for a living. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And yet they sextile one another, those energies, and yet they're earth and water and they know how to build together. So Pisces dreams the dream and then Capricorn says, and this is how, what we need to do to make all those dreams become a reality. And I literally just told you before the call, like I'm thinking of cutting Mm -hmm. off a lot of projects right now that people Mm -hmm. will be shocked about because Mm -hmm. I want to build something totally different that I've been dreaming about. Yeah. It's all those dreams 
Yeah. All those dreams, all those heart wishes, all those things that feel so far-fetched off in Pisces realm and universe, like Capricorn says, this is the practical, actual steps we need to take to pull that dream down onto the earth realm and make it a reality. Oh, so I am pumped for this. And the moon's going to be hitting my midheaven, my MC career line. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So you have your progress moon that's going to hit your midheaven. I have Jupiter coming to visit my midheaven in Taurus up there. (laughs) Because you're the greatest astrology teacher alive. Truly. I believe that you're just like, you're building an empire because you're real, you're soft, you're badass, but you're nurturing. Like, this is what people- Keep going, keep going. Yeah, you're like, come on now, we're Progress recording this. <laughs> yes, That's really so, kind of you to say. You've got this now, you probably don't realize it because, you know, I kind of teach now with large groups and you're just yeah. so focused on the material yeah. and making sure yeah. everything's organized and you don't see it. But as one of your students, I get to watch and I'm like, wow, what a gift this woman has. Whoa. It's just, you guys listening to this, if you want to learn astrology, do check out, what's your Instagram name? Um, it's my first and last name. It's yep. Malika underscore Semper underscore astrology. Yeah. And we'll put you in the show notes and everywhere. And you always, I say you teach courses like once a month. Yeah. I do. I do. You're my on fire. My next one coming up is my Sinistry series in June. The best. That's the one that kicked it <laughs> off for me. I think I've taken it twice now. Yeah. I absolutely love that Sinistry. Yeah. And it really helps. Sure. You know, and people, for you guys listening who are thinking, yeah, well, listen to you guys. You guys are astrologers. You do this for a living. Yes, of course. And if a, mm-hmm. you want to do this for a living, her courses can definitely help you with that. But if mm-hmm. you just want more flow and understanding, mm-hmm. and you can understand why people behave the way they do, the amount of healing yeah. and letting go yeah. that comes from that. And so... Absolutely. The investment in your courses have paid dividends in my emotional well-being. Oh, stuff. Truly. Truly. And so for those listening, just check her out. Go find her. She's wonderful and knows her shit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I know we didn't look at my mom's chart, but I just, we. We can do that privately, you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it just, it resonates a lot. And I'm sure in my mom and I's composite, you would find like, she came here to show you what not to do in relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Bless my mama, but she showed me a lot. But, you know, this is the type of things you can do with both a private reading with Malika, but also in her courses. And what I love about your courses is that you teach like this, but you pull Mm -hmm. up everyone's charts. Everybody sends you their charts and Mm -hmm. you surprise us with, oh, okay, we're talking about Scorpio moon stuff. Share with us. What is your experience been with this and so it's therapeutic it feels like a women's circle because it's vast majority is women and yep. just to see people explain or hear how they ex- how they've experienced certain placements in their chart you get it it clicks it's so helpful because I can teach this stuff all day long we can have these ideas of what certain things mean but until we hear somebody's story of who actually lived it that's where the real teaching lies and then I become the student and I'm like, teach me, tell me, I have an idea, I have a theory of what this might feel like, but now you teach me what you actually lived through with this experience, right? Yeah. That, that's another thing I love about you is that you are so open where you're like, I'm still the student with you guys. I will forever be a student. What are you, Sagittarius? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah. I will forever be a student for planets and Sag. Yeah. Oh, I, I tell everyone all the time. My dream job is to retire and become a professor at like the University of Bozeman in Montana, have no phone, no social media, just teach mm-hmm. astrology in a big stadium mm-hmm. in a university, ride mm-hmm. my bike home and lock myself away as a hobbit. <laughs> that sounds like you keep coming up with these like amazing little scenarios where I'm like, I want that too. <laughs> <laughs> teach people how to make sourdough in my mountain cabin and then send them home before 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's so perfect. I know. So really good. Thank you so much for coming yes. on Lightworkers Lounge and yeah. letting people see what a reading is like and teaching sure. us how to find more flow and compassion because relationships, if you don't have healthy ones in your life, it affects everything, your diet, your health. Yeah your friends, your career, it affects everything. And so yeah. relationship astrology, truly, this is just us talking with our moon conjunct Venus. Yeah. It really is so important. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, so important. Yeah. And I can show you the the signatures and the tools just to, to know how to maneuver, you know, those, yeah. those so many dynamics of relationships that can show up and to just yeah. create some awareness and ease and most of all, understanding around yes. what you signed up for with that particular person. That's the point yeah. right there. That's Malika, it. Thank you so much. If you guys want to thank find you, her she's on Instagram, her mm-hmm. website will be in the show notes. We'll tag her everywhere. Go say hi, check her out, invest in one of her courses. You will not regret it. And I'll probably be in there. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.